available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome back, everybody, to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the Scout 24-7 Network. I've got to think of a smooth way to do it. I've got to think of a smooth way to do it. It's never <laughs> going to happen, but i got to think of it. We're yeah. on the Scout 247 whatever network. Hi, Ryan. Hi, and this is Ryan Abraham. I'm also on the Scout 247 CBSI network. I'm the publisher of USCFootball.com, the other half of the podcast of Champions, and uh, we're back. It's been a little while, as as per usual. I you know I told Dave we'd get a little crap at practice from our buddy like Kyle Bonagoro who covers the Pac-12 for ESPN. He's like, hey, man, I like your podcast. Uh, when are you guys going to do another one? And here we are. <laughs> so as you requested, we have provided. That's that's how this works. Somebody personally asked a request from one of us too. It's one of our rules. And when that person gets requested, then we, we provide. Yeah. That's, isn't that how all podcasts work? I, I guess so. It was funny. I was telling, uh, before we get into our spiel, someone was asking about podcasts at practice and i was telling them you know the the key thing is to be consistent you have to be consistent and then kyle is like like your podcast of champions so burn yeah you know it's probably it's probably a, a pretty significant indictment of me because your peristyle podcast is like a metronome like that thing that comes out you know like twice a week and it's just there every single time and this thing comes out like <laughs> Oh, about once every three and a half weeks on some random day. Like, this is coming out on a Friday before games tomorrow. Like, yeah. who does that? We do. Um, so, it, it, send all your hate mail to me. <laughs> I like that. We're like Barry, like, it's like when your SID's got a, there's some, like, you know, rape charge or something. They release it on, like, a Friday afternoon. Hopefully yeah. nobody uh, picks up on it. That's kind of what we we're doing. We are the Friday News Dump. That should be the new name of the podcast. <laughs> Man, I like podcasts of champions, but, but anyway, hey, we're still doing the show. We're, we actually planned on doing, we're going to do it every Monday from now on, right? <laughs> every Monday. I mean, I, I can commit to next week for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, no, our, our plan is to record every Monday, um, release, you know, Monday afternoon, assuming nothing happens. Um, and that'll be a, a recap preview combined show. Um, unless we get super ambitious and try to record two a week. But let's let's take baby steps and just record this regularly for a little while yeah. and see how that goes. We'll see how we're going there. And if you want to email us, you can do that. We've got some emails today. Pac12podcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at Pac12podcast. Our website, Pac12podcast.com. You can see a common theme here with all of our names. We did that. That was planning. So that was a lot of, a lot of work went into that. Uh, our voicemail number is you call 641 641- 715-3900, extension 734972. Leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the podcast of champions if we remember to, and then we'll answer it at the best we can. And, uh, that's kind of what we do, Dave. That's all we do. That's all we do. We, uh, we, we don't play voicemails because nobody ever leaves them. And, uh, and we record podcasts semi regularly. We do have, we do have a couple of voicemails today, but they're from our colleagues because there's a couple, as Dave mentioned, there's a couple of Pac-12 games this weekend. Like, it's 
It's August 25th, and we have Pac-12 football tomorrow, which is a little crazy. Now, is this part of like a slow trickle effect? Like, are, is it going to be five years from now, and there are games like August first? <laughs> um, I don't know. They extended this, the fall camp thing a week, and uh, yeah. I think it's going to take a little while to get used to that. But I think players are kind of ready for football now, you know, because there's an extra week of fall camp that they're not used to. I just don't yeah. see them going too much earlier than this. I mean, it's well because I get like the Stanford Rice thing because that's in Sydney. Right. They're doing like one of those exhibitions. Yeah. Well, not an exhibition, but they're doing one of those things, um, you know, in in uh, in in Australia. But Oregon State, Colorado State is happening in Fort Collins, Colorado. Like what what need was there to have this a week early? It just doesn't make any no, sense. No, I'm not sure about that one, but not that I'm complaining. It's great. I like watching football. And it's that's like the morning fun. one. You figure like the weird timed game. So that's going to be I think it's a it's, it's an 11 30 kick. 11.30, yeah, is that Mountain Time or is that, uh... Uh, yeah, it's on Mountain Time, so it's a 12.30 local. Okay. Um, well, no, it'd be, uh, 10.30, right? Am I getting this screwed up? Yep. It's, uh, 12.30... 12.30, 12.30 local, 11.30 Pacific. Yeah, 12.30 Mountain Time, so 12.30 local, and then 11.30 Pacific, okay. Yeah, um, yep. yeah what I said, what I said about a minute ago, that's what it is. Okay, uh... <laughs> Screw you, buddy. Uh, okay, Stanford, Stanford Rice in Sydney. Uh, that's 7 p.m. Pacific. I don't no idea what the local time is there. It's probably a week from now, but that's uh, 7 p.m. I think that's one of those travel back in time ones. Yeah, <laughs> something, with the, something with the Prime Meridian or you know whatever the International Dateline. Something. If we, we can figure that out, we, we know could, a lot about longitude here. Okay. Yeah. The we, podcast of champions. We could bet the game, like while like it's already happened like a week ago, and then we could bet it here and make a lot of money. I think that's the way time works. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those two games are tomorrow, which is weird. Like, so the one that's international, you figure would be like at a weird time. It's like a regular time, seven p.m. You know, like the the Oregon State Colorado State game away for whatever reason is eleven thirty in the morning uh, Pacific. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure why. Got to figure that's like a what would that be in Sydney. That's got to be like a 9 a.m. local or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be. I've been there once, and uh, it was fun. But, like, what? So if you go there, yeah, you, like, lose time when you go there. And then when you come back, it's like you, you like, land the same time you left or whatever. So it's. Somebody's going to be, like, listening to this and getting so frustrated <laughs> with our, like, inability to understand how time works. Well, if we like, thought, it's not somebody, like we were somebody is just sitting there silently fuming right now at us. We're gonna get such a strongly worded email. I love it. Yeah, please email us. We we do appreciate all those. Um, yeah. So we're gonna preview games today. We have uh, Angie and RJ. Uh, they've called in, so we'll and we'll talk about those. But there's some some news and notes from around the conference. I thought we'd kind of read off at the top, if that's okay with you, Dave. Let's let's do it. It's great with me. All I right. love it. Since, you know, I'm a big fan of yours, Dave, and you are a big fan of the Colorado Buffaloes, uh, yep. this is news. Rashawn Salam, I don't know if you remember him. 1994, he won the Doak Walker and the Heisman Trophy, uh, United Small American, all that stuff. They're going to retire his number, uh, 19. So his number, he was number 19. So they're going to, uh, honor him. So I thought that was kind of a cool thing. That's great. That's uh, great. Nice. I think, uh, I think he should definitely have his number retired. Yeah. Um, that's good. Yeah, he won the Heisman. Like, you retire the number, I would think. Yeah, that's, uh, you retire that number. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it took him so long. It's just like, so 94, what is this? It's not like a 25th anniversary or anything. I'm not sure why that happened. Okay. 
Um, it's like the 23rd anniversary. So maybe, maybe that's what it is. If it was the 19th, that would make sense. I don't know. We'll have to ask our, our buddy Dave Platt over at CU why it's this year. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Oregon. Yeah. So, uh, a little bit last minute help, you know, the, uh, the transfer rule. So it's kind of like free agency. Uh, they got a JC, uh, defensive lineman, Malik Young. Um, so could be some good news for the Ducks. I don't know if you saw that, Dave. Any they, need, they need all the possible help they can get on the defensive end. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. Uh, not too bad. And then this was a funny note, uh, Pac 12 sent out, um, with the Stanford game and Sydney, the, the Australian game. Oh, I, uh, we're, we're, we're idiots. I know why Rashawn Salam, uh, is, is being honored. Why he, he died? He died in December. He just passed away. I, I remember that now. Oh man. Yeah. I yeah. wonder why they wouldn't have. Uh... Sorry, our brains are dead. Yeah, that's he, terrible. He passed away in December. That's right. But so, uh, that's why he's getting his number retired. He so that's is. Very yeah. Good. But that's you would good. wonder, like, if they wouldn't have retired it earlier for some reason. It does strike you as a little bit weird, but yeah. it's uh, you know, that's probably going to be a good way to memorialize him. Yes, that's true. I mean, that's a, that's definitely a nice way. I, I, I completely spaced on that, that he, uh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it can be hard to keep up. Um, but there we go. Wow. That's, uh, that's about, well, it's nice. You know, I don't think they even mentioned that in the release. So, uh, that was kind of strange, but I should have remembered that too. We, that we does seem odd. That does I, seem I, like I, a key piece to mention. I, I should have, uh, I should have remembered that. I mean, maybe it was like further on down or something, but, um, but anyway, we'll move on. The uh, So the Australian game, uh, Stanford does not have a player from Australia, Dave. I don't know if you know that. Uh, but there are eight student athletes that play Division One football in the Pac-12 that are from Australia. And guess they all punt for Utah. They, <laughs> you're right, part of it. They do all punt. Um, so uh, Arizona State, uh, Cal, Colorado, Oregon State has two. Uh, USC, Utah, and Washington all have, uh, Australian punters. And, uh, Oregon State, yeah, or, so Oregon State has more Australian punters than, than Utah. I guess that's a. That's the upset. Yeah. I think that might be the stat of the offseason right there. <laughs> but there are, it's funny that they're all, uh, they, they, uh, so Chris Tilby's the USC guy, uh, from Australia. So it's kind of fun to talk to him sometimes. And they had, I think it was a New Zealand news crew come out. To USC practice, I believe in the spring, and they were doing this feature on, um, Australian and, and Kiwi, uh, punters and stuff, kickers coming over. And it was, it was kind of a fun little piece. I saw it on the internet, but they, uh, they get a kick out of that. Nice. Uh, um, oh, very cool. Yeah. You're like completely bored with my notes. Sorry. Um, yeah. So bored. <laughs> all right. Cal, there's still a quarterback competition going on. So they're trying to replace Davis Webb. Uh, yeah. so Chase Garber, uh, uh, Brandon McWine, uh, what is it? Uh, McElwain and, uh, Ross Bowers, I believe, are the three guys still fighting it out for Justin Wilcox, trying to catch Justin Wilcox's eye and win the starting quarterback position. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's as much going to matter for Cal this year, unfortunately. And we'll get to that in our power rankings soon enough. But yes. Yeah, I, I think it's rearranging. Rearranging those old deck chairs <laughs> on the big Titanic. Uh, okay. One last note. And this was a, this was a big one. Um, our boy Troy Williams is not the starting quarterback at Utah as we all projected. Uh, senior year going in, 
Um, so I guess some, something similar happened to him when he was at Washington, but Tyler Huntley, uh, he's a sophomore, true sophomore. He's going to be the opening day starter. He threw seven passes last season, uh, completing five for 60 yards, but he's going to be, he's got that spark and, uh, Kyle Whittingham is going with Huntley over Troy Williams. Yeah, and I, I think that, um, judging from what I read, I think it sounds like an understandable move. And judging by what we saw of Troy Williams last year, I mean, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I mean, Troy Williams did not have a great year last year. He wasn't very good. and You know, we were talking about it in the offseason, how he needs to improve a ton for Utah to be, you know, to be where it wants to be at the top of the Pac-12 South. And uh sounds like he's not going to get that chance. It's going to be Tyler Huntley, and, uh, you know, we get to watch a new Utah quarterback and uh, see if they can finally find some consistent play at that position because, I mean, outside of maybe, if you're generous, Travis Wilson's senior year, they really haven't had a whole lot. So it'll be interesting to see if he's the answer for them. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, he definitely had it up and down. I mean, if you talk to USC fans, he kind of torched them, uh, you know, in the fourth game of the season. But, you know, we watched him the rest of the way, kind of expecting bigger and bigger things. And, you know, we had some moments, but there was just, there was a lot left to be desired. So, uh, Kyle Whittingham's going a different direction. Um, kind of shocked a lot of people. I talked to some Utah people and they were a little surprised, but they, you know, you got a new, it's the, the offensive coordinator of the year thing. They got, you get one every year. It looks like Dave and, uh, you got another one this year. So the yeah. offense should be a little different. And now the quarterback's going to be different. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, it's, it's amazing the consistency Utah has found just from a, you know, win loss perspective when it's literally a revolving door every single year at the OC <laughs> position and, uh, the offense never seems to be very good at all. Um, if they ever put it together on offense the way they did, like, I don't know, nine years ago, um, it could be something to see yeah. because the defense is consistently good year in and year out and, you know, they just need an offense that's not one dimensional that can at least do like a couple of things well. Cause, you know, even when their offenses have been passable, it's been, you know, Devontae Booker. Okay. Devontae Booker, carry the ball 45 times per game <laughs> and try not to break yourself. And that's been about the offense. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, last year they, re- they relied on a kid that retired. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Joe Williams, retiree. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, Utah's got a lot. They got to replace like pretty much the whole offensive line. They got some work to do, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what they end up. But we'll, we'll talk about them in our preview show on Monday, uh, for their opener. Uh, let's see. Do we want to do power rankings first? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Should we count? You want to count backwards? You want to count forward? We count backwards. 12 to 1. 12 to 1. Okay. So, uh, these we, I mean, I don't know how many weeks or months we spent on these. Um, probably zero. God, I want to say we started, oh, <laughs> must've been, must've been 12 whole minutes ago. It was. So basically Dave gave me what he had. We tweaked it and we said, that's what it is. Um, but these are power rankings. These are the, the order we have right now. Obviously it changes throughout the year. Uh, our number 12 team you have California golden bears, the sturdy golden bears of California. Uh, Cal doesn't play, uh, this weekend, as is the case with, uh, 10 other of these teams <laughs> that we'll be talking about today. But we thought we would, uh, preview the Bears. Um, we have them picked last in our power rankings here. I personally have them coming in, uh, in sixth in the Pac-12 North. That would be last 
in that division. Cal's not going to be very good. Um, my overall picks for the year, just, you know, in case anybody cares, I've got them going three and nine, um, which includes, uh, non-conference losses to UNC and Mississippi. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and a win over, uh, over Arizona. But I think I've got them going like, no, did I have them going four and eight? Maybe I did. I've been going four and eight with wins over uh, randomly Washington State and Arizona. Washington State, wow. UNC and Mississippi in the uh, in the non-con. Yeah, I've got I've got some weird stuff with Washington State. Um, they're kind of my pick of the like goodish teams from last year to kind of fall back a little bit. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I did. Uh, Dave did. He let me know this morning. Hey, you want to pick the whole conference today? <laughs> I was like. Look, I was I was bored, and that's what I did. <laughs> uh, my so so I would so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. My writer, uh, one of my my preview guys, he does this huge. He's done it for 17 years. Picks every game through at the Pac-12, and uh, so I'll give you what he gave, and I'll say if I think it's right or if I skew it a little differently. But uh, Tom Harris's name, he picked Cal to go three and nine, one and eight in conference, and I, I'm pretty much in agreement with that. Um, they just don't look. I think it's going to take a little time. I'm not so, you know, Justin Wilcox wasn't my favorite defensive coordinator ever. Uh, nice enough guy. I'm not sure about how he's going to be as a head coach. He could be great. He could be terrible. I just don't know, but they have a fairly tough schedule. They got a new coach and not a lot of talent. It just doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of wins there to me. So they were, they went three pack 12 games last year. Don't think they're going to be able to do that this year. All right. So we've got some consensus on that one. Yeah. Um, do you want to go to the next one? Yeah, we'll go number 11. Arizona Wildcats. The Wildcats, like the Bears, do not play this weekend. They'll be playing next weekend against Northern Arizona. Uh, but that won't stop us. Um, no, it won't. I have Arizona uh, being pretty bad this year. Um, I've got them going 4-8, and eight, um, which, you know, all told, that's not the not the worst thing in the world. Um you know, they could be a lot worse. They could be two and ten, you know, but they're four and eight. Um, I've got them losing to Houston in the non-conference. And then I've got them, uh, you know, sweeping the rest of the non-con and then beating again. I, I think I'm just hating here, but I've got them beating Washington state Man. and beating Oregon state. Okay. So I'm, I'm out here just pissing off Cougar fans <laughs> after I, after I denigrated their mascot in previous weeks by saying that Cougar is nothing better than a house cat. I now have them, uh, losing to the two worst teams in the top. Well, you're, and it's funny, um, where, where you originally had them in the power rankings, we moved them up significantly. So uh-huh. I, I'm, so your picks. Look, have... none of this is going to make any sense, everyone out there. Just understand that I was a little bored today and this is what I ended up with. Nice. Um, yeah, we, uh, Tom had them, uh, same thing at, uh, at a four and eight and one and eight in conference. And I agree. I think that's, uh, about right. It looks like they can win the out of conference games, but I just don't see a whole lot of Pac 12 wins for, for Rich Rod. I think the Arizona, Arizona State game at the end of the year will be really interesting. It could cost one of those coaches, uh, their job, depending on how the rest of the season goes. Um, you know, they got average return, like seven offense, seven defensive players. Returning, they don't play Stanford. They don't play Washington. Veteran offensive line. So there's some potential there, but I'm just, I don't know. There's a, there's 50 new players on the roster, according to Rich Rod, when we talked to him at Pac-12 Media Day. 
I, I don't know. I think it's it seems like a rebuild almost, and I, it's not really the time you want to do that when you bring in that many new people. I just kind of think they're going to struggle this year, Dave. Yeah, I, I just don't see them rebounding as much as they would probably like. I mean, it might be a more competitive team, a little bit healthier at quarterback, a little bit healthier across the board, but um, still, it's 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 not an easy slate. Um, I just I have a hard time seeing it this year. I, you know, if Richard gets another year after this, and at four and eight, I don't know if he will or you know whatever we have it but if it is a disappointing year i don't know if he'll get another year but if he does they they stand to be better next year um but i think this is going to be a transitional year for him all right let's uh let's see we'll go to number 10 and we have oregon state beavers most importantly we have actual football to talk about now um oregon state is playing this saturday they are traveling to Fort Collins, Colorado, to take on Colorado State. Game is, as we discussed, at 11.30 a.m. Not 10.30 a.m., not 12.30 p.m., but 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. It is on CBS Sports Network. Colorado State is favored by four. Um, really? If you were not paying attention last year, Colorado State finished the year uh, really well. Um, they were They were a pretty darn good team down the stretch. Um, and a lot of people are projecting them to be pretty darn good this year, um, returning a bunch of starters, uh, returning a bunch of aspects of a pretty good offense from last year. Um, you know, this is going to be an interesting one for Oregon State. Uh, I, a lot of people are projecting Oregon State to be a little bit better than last year, and Oregon State was a pretty respectable team this year. So this is probably, if you're looking at the whole slate of games for Saturday, this is maybe the best game on because it's, well, no offense to this game. It's not a great slate of games, um, being this random zero week type deal, but, um, it's still going to be most likely a pretty competitive game. Um, I, I like Oregon State to cover the four. I think it's going to be a competitive game. I think, you know, this early in the season, it's always hard to gauge teams because, you know, offenses especially, like, are they going to be clicking? Like, do they have, you know, everything quite down from fall camp that just ended, like, a day ago? Like, do they, is it just, you know, it, they're shaking off still some off-season rust at this point. Um, I think it might be a, a little bit sloppy of a game, and if it is, I think that favors more Oregon State's style of play. Like, they kind of like to, you know, have a little bit of a gritty style to their play, so... I like them to cover. I don't know if I like them to win outright, but um, I, I think they'll uh, they'll cover the four. So when you said that, I'm like, oh yeah, we pick games. That's what we do. <laughs> we do here at the podcast champions. We do. So we're gonna have to be picking games early this year with our Monday podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to be picking games before we even really know what the outcomes of Saturday games were, no, like in terms of injuries and all sorts of stuff. Oh yeah, um, I do like. Uh, you know, Oregon State to uh, cover this. I think they're going to be a little bit better. You know, um, I don't know what you predicted for their record. Uh, Tom had them at five and seven, three and six in conference. I'm, I'm, I have them as six and six overall. Yeah. And I think I've got them. You know what? Here I've got them beating Colorado State. So I'm going to pick them outright. Okay. Uh, and I've got them going three and six in conference, beating Colorado, Cal, and ASU. Okay. Um, I. I kind of get the feeling that they're going to get to six wins. I, you know, looking at the schedule, I'm not exactly sure where that's going to come, but I think they've progressed in the right ways. Uh, you love Ryan Nall. Um, yeah, I kind of, Tom has them five. So I would agree with you. I think they're kind of going to go six and six, but it's going to take some, 
There's going to be a couple wins where you don't really expect it, like you said, like a Colorado or something like that. Um, but yeah, I'll take them to cover. It seems like a, a lot of points for an early game. Uh, they started practice. I mean, they were practicing two days before Pac-12 Media Day started, Dave. So they were, they've been out there for a while. Yeah. They've been practicing for, for years now. Yeah. <laughs> they were children when they arrived and they've become men. Um, do we want to do the uh, preview now, our voicemail now, or should we wait? Oh, wow. I forgot. Like, wow, we are a streamlined operation. Yeah. We really are. Yeah. Let's play Angie's. No, it's good. I'd rather like us say what we think, and then Angie says something that contradicts us, and she's completely right. And we're like, "Wow, we're idiots," and we can we can do that. I like that. All right, well, here's uh, what Angie had to say. Hey, this is Angie Machado with BeaverBlitz.com. Oregon State opens the college football season this weekend during Zero Week, traveling to Fort Collins, Colorado, to take on the surging Colorado State Rams in their brand new opening of their new stadium. Oregon State is looking to be a bowl team this year, and that is where the expectation lies with the Oregon State players and coaches. The Beavers will look to improve their passing game and also look to stop the run better than they did a year ago. Check out beaverblitz.com for all the latest as we get ready to start college football season. She said nothing that 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 deliberately contradicted us, yeah. but I feel pretty good. She was very short and sweet there. That was great. Yeah. It was great. I emphasized short in the email, I think. I think you did. That's good. Yeah. Because sometimes Something we real get... Quick. Yeah. Real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was... I forgot it was a new stadium, right? So brand new. That might be why they're showcasing it. Maybe that's why they scheduled yeah. this game a week early because they want this to, you know, they want they want people to see the new stadium. But in that case, why did they put it on CBS Sports Network? Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're going to watch it. I'm, you know. Uh, yeah, of course I'm going to watch it. Yeah. That's a first, first, first game, right? You would think a West Coast team would play the first, first, first game, but they are. They are. They are playing the first, first, first game. So we both pick, uh, picked Oregon State plus four. Um, mm-hmm. I remember last year, we, like, our picks were well above, like, what you would need to be profitable, like, if you're picking against the spread. It's and, dangerous to and, say before we've, like, even seen a result of a single game. I know, but I'm saying that what I was thinking last year was, if we're this good at this, we should just bet. You know, we should just, you know get a book here. Bet all of our picks this year. <laughs> we could, I guess, like to put you know actual money where our mouths are and uh, do but it. How will that influence our picks? Will we suddenly get more conservative because we know we're betting on every single pick we make? You uh, know, what we need we need like a blind trust to not tell us that they're. They're betting on our games, but they're using our money. Oh, okay. So now we can pick unencumbered <laughs> by the knowledge that our money is at stake. Do you think you would change? Like, I don't, I think I, like, when I'm picking, I don't I'm trying think, to win. I money. don't think I would. But, but maybe you would, yeah. That's part of the thing is you don't necessarily have full, uh, full cognition over your motives. Yeah. You know? When you're you just might like, be making a pick just because, uh, you know, it's the slightly more conservative and safer pick, but sometimes you got to be a little out there to make some money. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how our first week does. And, uh, yeah. Do you remember who won last year? I think I beat you pretty good. I don't <laughs> have a recollection of that exactly. I think you maybe squeaked the victory over me. I, I can, I can, I can maybe recall that, yeah. but I don't remember any sort of beatdown. But I do remember we both were above the, like, whatever. You have to be like 54% or something like that. I forget what it was, but it was something where, if you bet against the spread, you can beat the 10% VIG or whatever. Um, yeah. So to be profitable. So we would have both been profitable last year, yep. which is kind of cool. 
Um, all right, so should we go up to number nine? Let's do it. Number nine is Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> all right, so ASU does not play this weekend. They play on Thursday of next week, so actually less than a week from now, so that's kind of cool. Um, I have ASU going five and seven. I have them losing in the non-conference to Texas Tech, and then I have them beating Arizona, Oregon. Uh, I'm yeah, and uh, and Colorado in in conference, and then okay. sweeping the other two non-conference games. So I've got them going five and seven, missing a bowl game again. What about you? Interesting. So Tom has them three and nine, one and eight in conference. Man, he is not high on the uh, the Sun Devils. I would, I you know, maybe I'll split Man, the difference. We're gonna lose a lot of Cougars and Sun Devils from this podcast today. Yeah, uh, that's that's just not me. That's Tom. I would, I'll probably split the difference. But um, you know, that I think they do five and seven. They were five and seven last year. I don't know if that'll be enough um, to keep Tom Graham around, but um, I, I kind of feel it's going to be. Similar. I just, I don't see them beating the, the top teams in the division. Um, and I'm not, I'm, unlike you, I'm not that down on Colorado. Um, but yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're we'll hammering Colorado. Everyone that we've mentioned has beaten Colorado. So we'll get to that in a second, Colorado fans. I'm sorry. Yeah. Even though we haven't even got to Colorado yet on our, uh, on our power rankings, but we'll talk about that. Honestly, honestly, the biggest hits so far have been two teams that we haven't gotten to because <laughs> Washington State fans <laughs> are probably just sitting there in a deep WTF right now. <laughs> there, you, you have Washington State losing 18 games and Colorado <laughs> losing 17 so far. <laughs> oh, this math does not check out. It yeah. never does. So we, we still don't know. There's Manny Wilkins and Blake Barnett are still, uh, battling it out. Uh, to be the starting quarterback. They also started, uh, practice a couple of days before media day. So I'm not sure. Well, I guess because they have the Thursday game. Um, but they're not like a full week ahead. So, but they started practice early, early for where they were. Um, you know, they're, they're starting like, you know, three days before or a couple of days before Saturday as opposed to seven, six or seven days. So yeah. Um, so that's, that's you need that's a lot of Nikhil point. Harry, Dave. You need, yeah. need Nikhil Harry to go. Bananas. He's going to need to do a lot. Yeah. He's going to need to do a lot. I it's just get into a bowl game would be very nice for ASU. I just don't see it happening. All right. So we're going to go to number eight and the team uh, that Dave loves. Colorado Buffaloes. All right, Colorado. I'm sorry about this. So, okay, first. Uh, you know they won 10 games play. last year, Dave. Did you know that? I'm not sure if you know that. They won 10 games. Yeah. They went 8-1 so, in conference, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> so your team doesn't play until next Friday. It does play a team on short rest. It's going to play this famed Colorado State team that we're talking about with Oregon State. So um, it'll be on, you know, Colorado State will be on six days rest. That's, you know, that's pretty good. That's that's a good sign. I've uh, I've got your team going 5-7. and seven. And I know I'm a longtime Colorado fan. Longtime Buffs fan, um, but I, I'm now calling them your team, not my team. Uh, I've got them beating everybody in the non-conference, so it's going to be a good start to the season. And then I've got them going two and seven in conference. Uh, I've got them beating Arizona and Cal and losing to everybody else. Wow, yeah, that's uh, that's rough. That's rough sledding for the Buffs. Um, it, it didn't come easy. 
but it but it but it had to happen. Just for just so people know, like your original power rankings list that we came into negotiations with, you had them at number ten. Yeah. Yep. Which I was like, I didn't want to change any of the rankings because I knew if you did that, like you were serious. Like this was not something you took lightly. Like you could not put Colorado ten. It wasn't something I did lightly. So I basically picked two teams that were good last year to be like not good this year. Um, on the southern end, it's Colorado. And on the northern end, you can obviously assume that it's Washington State. Right. Um, Tom picked uh, Colorado to go six and six, three and six in conference. I'm, I think that's about right. I still think they make a bowl game. Um, I don't feel they're gonna, you know, get anywhere close to the 10 wins and how well they did in conference and being able to, uh, uh, win the Pac 12 South. It's to me that, that defense was so good and it was, it was kind of like one of those, uh, Sweet 16 teams that's got, you know, senior, couple senior guards that they kind of lead the way. I just felt like kind of what happened to Colorado last year. And all those guys are gone. I know the offense is going to be better. Um, I think Steven Montez just all alone. He doesn't have to worry about Sefa Lufau anymore. And he, you know, there's, there's some really nice pieces there, I think, for the Colorado offense. It should be a lot better, but I just felt that defense did so much for them last year. And, and Levitt's gone. He's up in Oregon now. It's, I think it's, for me, it's going to be tougher to win some of those games where maybe they are this year where we thought they'd be last year, like kind of squeak and, and get over the hump and make a bowl game. We were always talking about that drive for six, uh, two years ago where they lost to Hawaii to start the game, start the uh, season or something. So that was kind of derailed it. But maybe to me, Dave, probably like what we thought they'd be last year is kind of where I think they'll be this year. Yeah. I can, I can kind of see that. And the offense, I mean, the offense will be pretty good this year. It's just the defense takes. Such a huge step back, and even if you look at last year's record, and I know this, this is going to sound like even bigger haterade, <laughs> like they weren't like blowing teams out to get to that record. Like they had they had squeakers in there, some weird games. Like it didn't feel like they, you know, were a ten and two team. It felt more like nine and three. It felt more like eight and four. Like somewhere in that range. And they they played over their heads, and it was great. It was fun to watch. Loved it. Uh, but I think this this is maybe a little bit of a regression to the mean. Man, last year, if they were able to beat Michigan early, like that would have been oh, man, absolutely it would have been huge. Incredible. Would have yeah. been bonkers. Bonkers. Um, and they had, I mean, they, they could have won that game. So, uh, I think what Lufau got hurt and that kind of started yeah. his spiral of in and out of hospital yeah. beds or whatever. <laughs> it was this, it was, you know, he's and, a then, tough kid. and then just not being very good when he was playing either. And I, I felt, you know, we did, we've always felt that it kind of hurt Steven Montez too. Like it was, you know, there were times yeah. where like, why isn't he playing? And, you know, it was just a weird situation. So now it's Montez's show. Yep. And we'll see how that goes. And uh, hopefully they do a lot better than my five and seven. All right. But, you, you know. We know where you're pulling for. You're just, this is, you know. We obviously know. I yeah. mean, I'm a longtime Colorado Buffaloes fan. Right. Okay. Uh, number seven. This is, there, now there's some weird ones here. And uh, hopefully these, they don't get mad at us. But number seven. Utah Utes. All right, Utah is again a, a, a Thursday game next week, but they don't play this week. Um, I've got Utah going seven and five, um, and uh, and a, a solid four and five in conference. Solid, just you know they they get the kind of tougher end of the uh, of the Pac-12 North. Um, they get Stanford instead of Cal, Oregon instead of Oregon State. Um, so getting both of those games is not easy. Um, and I've got them going seven or five just because I don't really know what to make of that offense. So I've got them sweeping the non-con. 
beating Colorado and Washington State and then beating Arizona and Arizona State, losing the rest of the games. Um, I think it'll be a solid, good defense. I just, it's hard to know what to make of the offense. Um, you know, the offensive line has had some turnover. Um, quarterbacks, new quarterback. It's just going to be a, you know, it'll be tough to know. It's going to be, it's going to be like a Utah team. They're going to be really good on defense. It's going to be kind of a mishmash on offense and they're going to win a bunch of games and be a tough out in every other game. And it's going to be a, I think a pretty satisfying season for Utah fans. Um, maybe not as good as you would like, but I think they will be a solid good team. That's going to go play well in a bowl game. Uh, Tom has Utah at eight and four. He actually finished fixed, uh, pick them to finish second in the South. I kind of think UCLA will finish second in the South, but eight and four seems about right. This is a Utah team that won nine games, uh, the last three years. Um, and, it's hard to, you know, they got a great front seven still, uh, probably the best or one of the best in the Pac-12, uh, at least in my opinion. But when you look at the schedule and when you don't play Cal and Oregon State from the North, you're playing the top teams in the North and it's going to be a rough, could be a little bit of rough sledding. Uh, but Kyle Whittingham's been there before. It's his 14th season. You know, obviously a, a really inexperienced quarterback. Um, you know, without, without Troy Williams. So I'm not really sure how this is going to go. But I, I kind of feel like an eight win season is right. I could see seven. Uh, but I'll give Whittingham the kind of benefit of the doubt and say he'll get to eight. But he's, he's been so consistent in winning nine games, but just the schedule this year, Dave, is so tough. I just don't know if they're going to be able to, to pull that off. And, you know, that often, like the, the other problem is you got a new quarterback, but you also, you replace four of the five offensive linemen. And yep. Utah's got a great lineman always anyway. They figure it out ways out to do it. A lot of dudes, a lot of NFL guys, uh, from Utah on both sides of the ball, you know, 300 plus pounders in the NFL right now. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm going to go eight and four and we'll see from there. All right. And, uh, should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. So we got number, uh, number six, we have Oregon Ducks. All right. Oregon's yet another team not playing this week, playing next week, but, uh, so I've got Oregon rebounding this year. I've got them going eight and four overall. Um, I have them losing in the non-conference to Wyoming. I'm not even sure if Wyoming's going to be that good this year. They were pretty good last year, um, but it's a weird place to play. They're going on the road there, so I just could see that being an early season weird game for Willie Taggart and company. And you know, Wyoming's a well-coached uh, and was a pretty darn good team last year. Um, and then I've got them going six and three in conference. Um, it's pretty soft. Uh, they don't have to play USC. Um, they, I mean, Colorado, Utah is kind of a wash, but they don't have to play USC, which is, uh, which is a benefit for them. Um, I've got them beating UCLA, Arizona, Oregon State, Cal, Washington State, and Utah, and losing to Washington, Stanford, and ASU, and just kind of a weird one. Um, but finishing six and three in conference, which will be good for, uh, third in the north, a strong third. Eight and four, and with the way they're recruiting, that's going to probably jumpstart them even more. Um, and I think Willie Taggart's going to build something good up there. This is for me maybe the most interesting team to watch uh, this year. Tom picked them to go nine and three, six and three, six and three, like you did. Um, this was, you know, they were two and seven last year in conference, four and eight. Obviously, it's going to be a different team, new head coach, and all that kind of stuff. That's still a really big turnaround um, to be able to basically just reverse your record like that, or do even better. Um, you know, that a big one, they host Nebraska in week two. Uh, so that'll be a, a real good one. No more Derek, 
Darren Carrington. Uh, we didn't even mention him. That he's, you know, he could be an X yeah, factor. He, he, for you. he plays for Utah now. Yeah, he's <laughs> he gets a DUI at Oregon. He plays at Utah. But that, I mean, that's someone. He's someone that could be a difference maker. Uh, Utah special teams are already good. Um, I, I'm kind of struggling with it. I I certainly think they turn around and get a winning record. I'm thinking more. It's like a seven and five, maybe eight and four sort of campaign, which I mean would be great. It's still a great turnaround, but I think people are expecting a lot. Uh, right away. And I think if for that to happen, uh, Royce Freeman's got to get back to, you know, what we remember him as and just, and just be an absolute stud, like 1800 yards, you know, Heisman talk, things like that. And it, you know, certainly it's possible. Uh, but that it's, it, you know, I can see the big turnaround, but I, I think even just getting to seven or eight wins would be a, a really good move here. Yeah, I agree. And I, yeah, I would have them as eight and four. And if they had USC instead of UCLA, I'd have them as seven and five. So I think that's, that's, that's more my speed too. I think nine and three is probably, probably pushing it a little bit. I mean, it could definitely can happen. I think this team has the talent to do that. Um, maybe not defensively, but I, I think they have the offensive talent to, to be competitive in a lot of games. It's just, uh, I think that might be a little much after, uh, such a bad season last year. You know, they gave up. What, 41 and a half points last year, but now you got Jim Levitt and, uh, you expect that to be better. You know, that, yep. that's just something that's been such a problem at Oregon. And if you, if you don't have to have, I mean, they're a team that can score points in bunches, but they always had to. If you don't have to, I mean, maybe that'd be a little bit, you know, better for this team. I, I think there's going to be a lot of positive signs, even if they only win, you know, even if they go seven and five. Um, in the regular season, I still think there's going to be a lot of positive signs where at the end of the year, you're like, yeah, they're going to be back, you know, where may, you know, maybe not winning nine games this year, but you'll get the feeling at the end, like, okay, Willie Tiger has us going in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. Okay. Number five, uh, we have UCLA Bruins. All right. So UCLA is going to be the last team that kicks off. Um, among the Pac-12 teams, uh, they play next Sunday. So, a uh, long time for Bruin fans to wait. I've got UCLA going seven and five. Um, yeah, the bros might cry foul because I wrote a preview today that had them going eight and four, but <laughs> in my heart of hearts, I've got them going seven and five. Uh, I've got them losing to Memphis. They go on the road to Memphis, which is just such a, it's like going to Wyoming for Oregon. It's just, why are you doing that? Pac-12 team, why are you doing that? Um, uh, Memphis is going to be a tough team this year, so I've got them losing on the road to Memphis in the non-con, but sweeping through Texas A&M and Hawaii. Um, and then I've got them going 5-4 and four in conference. I've got them beating Arizona, ASU, uh, Cal, Colorado, and Utah. Um, Utah on the road, that's probably the most controversial among those two because that's a short week back-to-back. So this is a road trip that UCLA has this year. They go at Washington, and then six days later, they go at Utah on a Friday night. Um I I don't know what I was thinking. I've got them beating Utah in that game. Seems silly right now, but that's what I did. Um, but they are going to lose, in my opinion, to USC on the road, Stanford on the road, Washington on the road, and um, it wouldn't be UCLA if they didn't drop one at home. So I've got Oregon uh, knocking them off at home huh. um, for a grand 7-5 and five season. Gotcha. Uh, Tom picks, uh, UCLA eight and four, five and four in conference. I think that's about right. I picked UCLA to finish second because I thought they would be able to, to get above Utah, but now, you know, I'm questioning that a little bit, uh, because I've got them second too. I've got them, uh, winning the tiebreaker over Utah. Okay. 
Uh, but that game, so they can still do it by losing to Utah, but that's, that's, it's going to be. Well, no, if they lost to Utah, then Utah would be five and four and UCLA would be four and five. Okay. So uh, Utah, it, it's not really a tiebreaker. It's, I've got them just beating Utah. If okay. Utah won that game, then Utah would be second. But that, you're right with the, you know, playing in Rice Eccles isn't easy, you know, short rest, all that kind of stuff. USC ended up, that's the last game USC lost was a Friday night game. Uh, in Salt Lake. So, uh, I think that'll definitely be a tough one, but I, like I, we talked about this before. I just feel like Josh Rosen will have a bigger year. I know there's some questions on the offensive line and who's going to be like the super stud wide receiver, all that kind of stuff. But, um, I think the defense will be a little bit better, even with the losses. I like the way Josh Rosen, I just feel he's going to have a big year, Dave. I just feel like it's going to be positive he doesn't want to hear about sam darnold all the time which there have been like 50 features in every major outlet of behind the scenes with sam darnold i mean i cover him i'm probably getting tired of reading about it. i'm sure josh rosen is too so he wants to go out there and show like hey man i'm the guy in la so i just feel he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder be motivated this year dave and uh and do well okay yeah that's a that's a valid thing i think ucla's range is probably you know, if everything in the world broke right, I think nine and three is on the table. Um, but I think the, the bottom end is, you know, assuming no catastrophic injuries, I think the bottom end is like a six and six. And I think anywhere in that would be reasonable. And I would, you know, not be shocked by anything in there. There, because of the, the talent on the roster and, you know, you got some five star freshmen coming in that, you know, could be huge contributors, things like that. That I guess that the, the range can be wider, you know, because. If you play up to the potential that you look at the roster and read it down, you're like, oh wow, these guys should be really good. But you've seen it. And you remember it's, it's UCLA <laughs> and, uh, it's just a wide range, wide range of possibilities at UCLA. Uh, I think for a lot of the teams at the top, I mean, we've seen USC do that years and years, you know, oh, yeah. five star guys and, you know, it just, it kind of happens. Um, all right. Number four, we have Washington State Cougars. <laughs> With 18 losses, they're up here at number four, so that's pretty good. Yeah, it does seem more ridiculous now that we <laughs> formatted it this way. I've got Washington State going six and six. Um, they don't play until Saturday um, against Montana State next Saturday. Um, I've got them going six and six, sweeping through their non-conference. You're going to be so excited. Um, and then I've got them uh, winning only three games in conference. They're going to beat Colorado, Stanford. <laughs> So I've got him. I've got him having like the the like the Washington Stadia season of all time. Like I've got him beating Colorado and Oregon State, which is fine, granted. And then I've got him beating Stanford, um, and then losing everything else. So I, it doesn't make any sense. But Washington State rarely does. Yeah. Uh, so six and six to go to a bowl game, and who knows what they'll do there. Um, Tom has them picked at eight and four, five and four, about right. I I think I picked them third. I thought they might squeak out over. Oregon, they do get Stanford at home, but Stanford to me is going to be on a, a Washington revenge, you know, rampage. Uh, they got, you know, they got trucked at home by Washington State last year and on the road, they lost to Washington. So now they get Washington at home. So people think, okay, that's a game Stanford could win, but they're still going to have to go to the Palouse and play Washington State again. And I think they're going to have a good running game. I think that, you know, Luke Falk is amazing and the defense should be better. So I feel like, you know, they could do that again, but. I, I think they're going to finish third, probably beat, maybe they beat a Stanford and, and lose to some other teams that they shouldn't, you know, in Washington State fashion. But I kind of feel like you've kind of felt they were taking a step back. 
I kind of felt they were going to take a step forward, but we'll see kind of what happened. We moved them up in our rankings, but you had you had already picked them six and six. So yeah, um, I I've got them. I got them fourth in the north behind Oregon. Okay. So there's no rhyme or reason to any of our rankings. Yeah, the uh, there shouldn't be an FCS loss this year, right? There should not be. Well, there never should be, but. Well, I mean, they, I mean, they could in theory lose to Montana State. Um, I don't think Montana State is particularly good, yeah. but I could be wrong there, but I don't think they are. So yeah, they, they shouldn't, they should not lose to Montana State. They, uh, I think they lost their last three games last year. That's not good. They right? did not finish well. No. Uh, but they did have a top 30 run defense and. Hey. They haven't won an opener since 2011, so hopefully that changes this year. They're always behind the eight ball. They always do that, Dave. Every for every year we've done this, and, and years before, they just lose that opening game, and you're like, "What is going on?" Yeah, it's a volatile team. Uh, it is. All right, so we're getting up to the cream here. Uh, most people probably have these teams in their top three. Number three, we have Stanford Cardinal. So this is another game, but just before we get to it, um, this one, we a little bit of an explainer first, why they're number three and not number one. We talked a lot in the offseason about how good we thought Stanford was, but I don't think we ever properly considered the schedule. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, just getting USC, uh, I mean, they always get USC, but just getting USC, not fun. Um, and then also, like, it's just... Uh, the, the, Compared to Washington is how you got to look at their schedule, and because that's the other main contender in the North, and they get USC and Washington doesn't, so yeah. that kind of is the deal there. Uh, but anyway, Stanford, they play this weekend. It's going to be fun. Um, Stanford is taking on Rice in Sydney. Uh, this is going to be a 7 p.m. Pacific time kick, and don't ask us what time that is local. <laughs> uh, it's going to be on ESPN. So this is a game that everyone can watch anywhere out in the world. Uh, Stanford is favored by 30 and a half points, which is such a weird thing to think about for Stanford, especially early season Stanford. Um, I've got to take Rice knowing nothing about Rice, like not a thing about Rice, just on the, the understanding that Stanford is like very rarely any good offensively at the start of a season. I feel, um, yeah, I feel the same way. I think we've done this before too. Was it, might have been the same Rice team last year. Did they play them last year? And we were like, it was at the end of the year, wasn't it? Maybe it yeah. was. And we were just like, yeah, I don't know anything about Rice, but Stanford's not covering 40 points or whatever it is. So, um, they, they're, this is not usually a team that covers enormous spreads. Like they'll win handily. They'll dominate in the trenches, things like that. But, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah. Putting my money on this, like maybe this is a situation, Dave, where maybe you're like, I couldn't pick Rice if my money's on it, but I think I would. I think I would be like, I feel fairly confident that Stanford's not going to cover 30 plus points. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Um, and you know, I don't think Rice is going to be any good. They weren't good at all last year. It just seems like a lot at the beginning of the year. Um, and overall this season, I have Stanford going 10 and two. Um, like I said earlier, I have them losing to Washington State, and then I also have them dropping that early season contest to USC. Maybe it would be a different story by the end of the year, because uh, Stanford tends to gel a little bit as the season goes on. But um, I've got them losing because that's the second week of the season. Uh, but 10-2 and two overall, um, second place in the North, um, because they'll have two conference losses. And, well, we'll get to Washington in a second. Um, but I've got them beating Washington in the head-to-head. So um, I do think they have maybe a competitive advantage in that game. I just uh, 
they didn't last year. But uh, <laughs> I just uh, it's a it's a hard thing to see them kind of going eleven and one with with this tough of a schedule. They put yeah, Rice played at Stanford in week thirteen last year and Stanford won forty one seventeen. And I feel it was another thirty yeah. point spread or something, and we both just picked Rice and yeah, got that one. Yeah. I, I think I might have had the exact same logic last year, which is I know nothing about Rice, but there's no way Stanford is covering the spread. <laughs> which they got close. What did they win by like uh twenty twenty eight or something? But um still, yeah, it's uh yeah, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I don't think they're going to cover that spread, but I think they'll win handily. And, you know, the fact that it's on ESPN, that should really help Christian McCaffrey's Heisman, cho- you know, chances this year, right? Cause it'll, it'll be on TV and everything. And that's sad. No, that is sad. Sorry. I like watching Christian McCaffrey. Too soon? Yeah. Too soon. Much too soon. My bad. Uh, let's see, Tom picked them to go 10 and 2, 7 and 2. I think that's about right. That's exactly what I have, Tom. Yeah. Uh, Simpatico. Yeah, I feel that. I think they finished second. I picked them in the the media poll to finish first, but then, like Dave said, you kind of look at the schedule and you're like, uh, um, it'll, you know, they have to come down. You know, they could beat Washington, but then lose some other games, uh, too. But they do get Washington at home, which is great. Um, they got to go on the road to play Washington State, and you know, will David Shaw? When David Shaw gets beat like that, you feel like he's going to come back and do something crazy. So I just don't think the Washington schools are going to be able to manhandle Stanford like they did uh, last year when everyone felt they had this like horrible, horrible year and they still won 10 games. So that's yeah. that's just kind of that's 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 a compliment to Stanford football when people feel like they had this terrible year and they were 10 and three. Yep. Um, all right. Number two, we have USC Trojans. Um, we're going back. So let's remove that. There's no USC Trojans. We do have a game preview. Because they do oh, play. Oh yeah, geez. <laughs> we're really we're really bad at this. Well, you know, we haven't we haven't done a show in about a hey, year, right? We're, like, <laughs> we're ironing out the kinks. This is, this is a trial run. <laughs> well, I think for the most part, like we have the thing down, but we just forgot. We our buddy RJ, we forgot. RJ is probably listening. Like, where's my preview, guys? Where's my preview? Then we move on. <laughs> play the USC sound. All right, RJ. We don't know how long this one's going to be. Don't think it'll be as short as uh, Angie's, but here's his preview. This is R.J. Abadia for the bootleg, talking about Stanford's opening game against Rice in Sydney, a game which on paper doesn't appear to be much of a contest, but over the course of this week has gained a little bit of intrigue because of some Stanford injury and personnel issues. Right tackle A.T. Hall did not make the trip to Australia for undisclosed reasons, so sophomore Jeffrey Hamilton will be starting in his stead. Also, starting wide receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is out for the game, as is starting outside linebacker Mike Tyler, making things a little bit trickier for Stanford than might have been anticipated. Overall, Stanford should win the game handily against Rice, but the injuries and the uncertainty of Keller Chris returning as a starting quarterback after his injury in the Sun Bowl could make this game a little bit more competitive and watchable, at least a little longer than most people thought. For the bootleg. This is RJ Abadia. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, makes me feel better about our picks. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. I, I I feel validated. Uh, cool. Thanks, RJ. Yeah, thanks, RJ. I, I think I mean when we saw that video of Chris earlier in the fall, he looked like he was back. He looked like he was fine. Yeah. Um. So we'll see, but it, it'll just be good to kind of watch them. How much do you gain? Like you know, 
if a team looks is struggling, they're like, well, they're playing in Australia. You know, it's like it's hard to really judge exactly, but we'll get a little bit of a feel. Uh, Love should have a huge year. Um, yeah, well, we'll see how they go. But they, you know, they, they lose two of the best players, uh, you know, in the conference, if not, you know, the two best players and Solomon Thomas and Christian McCaffrey. So that's, those are big losses and how they replace them will, will be interesting to see. Yep, for sure. Okay. So we already played the USC sound. We picked them number two. What do you got, Dave? All right. I've got USC going 11. So first of all, uh, they don't play until next week on Saturday. Um, I've got USC going 11 and one. Um, I, I actually have them sweeping through conference and then losing to Notre Dame for some damn reason. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, but nothing I do does. Um, <laughs> they, they, they don't play Oregon or Washington. So that helps them going nine and zero in conference. But, um, yeah, I've got them winning the South. Um, I think they're really, really good. Um, I think their schedule certainly helps a little, but, um, I think, uh, Sam Darnold is, uh, good enough. And despite, like, you know, some reports from the offseason that the offense took a while to gel, um, I think they're going to be very good this year and, uh, tough to beat. So I've got him going 11 and 1. Yeah, that's, uh, Tom has him going 11 and 1, uh, as well. He does have him losing a conference game. I kind of feel 11 and 1. I'm just not sure which game. A lot of people point to Washington State because it's like a Friday Trap. night game. Yeah. Could be. Away game, yeah. Um, I thought about that one, but then I decided to pick Notre Dame for God knows what reason. But you, you know, you think Notre Dame's going to be better. You think Oregon's going to be better. You think UCLA's going to be better. Like all those teams were four and eight last year, and and people feel like, hey, they they can be really good this year, and they can. I'm just not sure Notre Dame I mean, because it's on the road. It'll be a tough place to play. I think that number the the second game, you know, second week of the season, Stanford USC's always had trouble with Stanford over the last five or six years. It's early. Um, Stanford kind of gets a bye week, even though they're flying back from Australia. It probably negates the bye week because you had to go to Australia. Um, that's the big one for me, Dave. Like that's the one that they could lose. But the problem is if they lose that one, I'm not sure their psyche will stay together where they could win the rest of their games. And we saw them win nine in a row last year. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it's a good thing for them to lose that one, but I, I could see that one. Um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of games. I just feel they're not going to go through this. They'll be favored in every game, but I just don't think they're going to go undefeated. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I mean, it's, it, it, it's a somewhat weak schedule by Pac-12 standards in terms of the Pac-12 teams they have to play, but it's still, I mean, it's not a easy conference to go through unscathed. It just never really is for any team. Yeah. So they go Western Michigan. They won 12 games last year, but they, you know, they're not PJ Fleck anymore. Stanford and then Texas all at home to start the season. So, you know, it's weird. If they start three and oh, yeah, they, they could go down a roll, but, uh, I don't know. I just see them losing a game, maybe two in there somewhere. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's go our number one team, the defending Pac 12 champion and maker of the playoff, Washington Huskies. <laughs> and okay. So, uh, Washington is, uh, playing next Friday. Um, so they don't play this week. They play next week. Um, I have Washington also going 11 and one. I have them with one conference loss to Stanford, but sweeping everything else. And then just for a little fun in here, I've got USC versus Washington for the Pac-12 championship. And guess who I've got winning? I've got Washington winning and returning to the college football playoff. Um, do I do this just to troll a little bit? Maybe. <laughs> um, 
But uh, that's what I picked this morning, and I'm going to stick with it. Um, I think Washington might have learned a little bit from having to go against the athletes of USC and Alabama last year. Um, Chris Peterson might come in with a little bit better of a plan. I think Jake Browning will be a little bit more prepared for you know that that onslaught uh, onslaught of that level of athleticism. Um, he'll be a little stronger, a little bit more savvy, a little bit better, um, and I think they'll be better prepared for it. So I've got Washington uh, winning the Pac-12 overall and returning to the college football playoff. Tom has um, 11 and one. Uh, he actually has USC winning the the championship between the two. Uh, I would I at this point I think I would pick Washington 11 and one as well. Um, I don't know. I, I would give the nod to USC in the championship game, but you know anything can happen. We'll see. But they, uh, you know, they're, they're the reigning champs. We're going to keep them at number one no matter what, pretty much until someone knocks them off, right? Or someone else looks like really good or right. something. Right, right, Yeah. If and when Washington loses to Rutgers on Friday, yeah, we'll we'll definitely drop them like at least like a spot. Yeah, it's not a murderer's row uh, schedule, like you said. The fact that Washington and USC don't play, some people were asking me, like, do radio interviews. They're like, is that bad for the Pac-12? I'm like, actually, I think it helps as long as it goes to, if it goes to form in the two favorites, you know, for the conference, uh, for the divisions win, then they don't have that extra loss. And it, it kind of helps either one, whoever wins, get to the playoff. But we've seen the Pac-12 just, well, you know, eat each other to live sometimes. Well, and it opens up a possibility, too, which is, like, say one of Washington or USC goes undefeated, probably more likely USC. If USC went 12-0 and and then lost to, you know, 11-1 and or 12-0 and Washington in the Pac-12 championship, um, does USC also have still a chance at the college football playoff? Because I don't think it would necessarily work in reverse. Because I think if people saw Washington lose again to USC in like the Pac-12 championship, I think that might, you know, people might be then not sold on Washington. But if it was the other way, and it was, you know, suddenly 13 and 0 Washington and 12 and 1 USC, would they both have a chance? I think it w- a lot of things would have to fall the right way. Like I feel that scenario would be the easiest for the Pac-12 to get two teams, which is kind of even crazy that we're talking about this. But maybe you would need like USC to beat the crap out of Texas and they win the Big 12, yeah. you know? And yeah, you would need some other dominoes to fall. You would need like the Big 10 to just be like nine and three carnage. Yeah. Like just nothing but nine and three is all over and, you know, some weird stuff to happen in the ACC. But yeah, you know, I think the SEC I, I, you want to happen just like it did last year where Alabama wins it outright and then everyone else has four losses. So like that's fine. Like there's no like Alabama's yeah. going to get it. Yeah. That's, that's a given. This is one of the few years, though, looking at the schedule in the preseason, there's a real, it, it seems like there's a viable way that they could get two teams. Yeah. Uh, and with the, just with the, the way the schedule breaks. With the nine conference games plus the championship game, it just makes it almost impossible for the Pac 12 to do that. But like you said, this is the one scenario where it could potentially happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, for me, like, I like Jake Browning a lot, but it just seems like when he's playing the more talented defenses, it's, he just doesn't play as well. And, uh, but Miles Gaskin's yeah, great. Sure. You know, it, they're just going to be, I think there's just going to be a really good team. You know, that, that no matter who they lose on defense, they lose a bunch of guys. They always, it seems like they just get better the next year and they should still, uh, maybe it's the best front seven. Maybe you could say Utah. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're both really good front sevens. Um, they're going to be a good team. Uh, really, really good. So it'll, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch and uh, see if they can win it. There's a lot of landmines in the North. There's fewer landmines, I think, in the South. So it's, it's going to be a little tougher for Washington to do that than, 
maybe USC, if all things, you know, hold form. Yeah. All right. Should we get to some questions? Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. All right. I've got one from Anthony. He says, hi, Ryan and Dave. Where would you rank Darnold, Rosen, Browning, and Falk among the other Power 5 QBs? Okay, so he's got a list of Power 5 QBs. Um, so I'll just list these off real quick, and okay. then we can decide if Darnold, Rosen, Browning, and Falk are kind of middle of the pack, bottom of the pack, or above the pack. All right, we got Lamar Jackson, DeAndre Francois, Trace McSorley, JT Barrett, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph, Jalen Hurts, Austin Allen. I think I put Lamar Jackson over everybody, just like for college football purposes, because I think what that dude can do with his legs, um, combined with pretty good arm talent, I, I think it just makes him such a freak show at the college level that I, I think I'd put him number one no matter what. Yeah, I think uh, you know he's the reigning Heisman Trophy candidate. He just does crazy stuff. Um, for college, yes. Like if you're talking about, you know, you were look at Rosen being a projected as NFL guy. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole different story. But you got a college offense. He's uh, he's your man. And then um, so after Lamar Jackson, I'm probably going Darnold. Probably. Um, I don't think I like any of these guys more than Darnold um, among this bunch. I think he has, you know, that crazy elusive ability. We've talked about a bunch, but he's also really strong arm, you know, really accurate guy. Um, I think I'm taking him number two among that group. Yeah, uh, I would go there. Um, I think put him and Rose, him, Rosen and Baker Mayfield. I think I would have like all kind of around the same. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think Rosen's up there too. I think I'd, I'd throw Jalen Hurts in the mix too. I like the way he plays. He just can't um, throw the ball as well. You know, he can't throw the ball as well, but he does so much with his legs and he's, you know, kind of got that strong physical athlete type that makes him so interesting at quarterback to me. Um, but I, I think that's probably my tier right there. Yeah. Um, and then I've got Jake Browning, uh, maybe in his own group, kind of, maybe alongside DeAndre Francois, maybe a little bit above him. Um, but below that, that second tier, um, just cause he doesn't quite have that super strong arm. Yeah. He does a, so many other things so well. Um, and then I've got Luke Falk probably in like the, you know, Mason Rudolph, Austin Allen type. Sure. And then I've got Trace McSorley and JT Barrett bringing up the rear. I would, I would agree with that. Like I've, you know, Trace McSorley puts up some crazy numbers. He does some amazing things and, you know, he does that, uh, what's his little celebration feel? Like the, the pulling the chain. I don't forget what it was. Yeah. It's whatever. It's, um, but man, when I would watch him sometimes, I feel like he's throwing up like pop flies, but then his dudes would catch it and, uh, you're like, wow, this is, this is incredible. And then it kind of, he was doing that in the Rose Bowl against USC all over the place. And then he did it twice on that final drive. One of them should have been picked off. And then the next one was, and then USC won the game. So it's, uh, I, but he's great. I mean, he's great too, but I just wouldn't put him. And it's hard to not picture them as like projecting at the next level. Like as a college quarterback, he's, you know, he's amazing. Um, but I would, I still, I think I'd rather have some of those, those other guys than, than him. Yeah, for sure. But I, it's a I great think group. Gun, but he's a, I mean, he's a playmaker. Things happen when he plays. Yeah. And I don't think he's a bad quarterback by any means. I just, you know, if I'm talking about it in those, in that group, I'm, I'm picking him last. Yeah. Um, all right. Our man, Nick from Cyprus has some questions. You ready? Sure. Question is simple for Ryan Abraham and David Woods. With the past season over, now being able to look back on your teams, what were the reasons USC and UCLA had the years they had and why did it happen? Fight on. I love the Pac-12 network too. 
<laughs> um, should I start with UCLA? Sure. But Nick, um, there's, I think he has a keyboard problem. He put UCLA in all lowercase letters. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, yeah. He's that, got a that, problem. Yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta hold down shift. And I know it's tough because with UCLA, you've got to use both shifts if you're using uh, home road style typing. Oh, yeah. But, um, but you got to do that. Um, anyway, uh, why did UCLA have the year it did? Uh, they went, I think, four and eight, right? Right. Yeah. Um, Pretty sure. They yeah. gave the offense um, uh, to a coordinator who uh, had very little experience coordinating an offense. And so about halfway through the season, they're running maybe like two plays. Two, two, two different running plays, no passing offense, just no running offense, just garbage offense. They've got a bad offensive line. Um, the offense, in short, was the reason that UCLA was very bad. Um, some people point to Josh Rosen's injury as the main reason UCLA was bad. I don't buy it. Um, if Rosen had been healthy, maybe that team goes 6-6, six and six, but 6-6 six and six is, you know, sorry Washington State again. But 6-6 six and six is poo-poo. Uh, nobody wants to go six and six. Um, so, uh, I think if Rosen had been healthy, that's what would have resulted. He did get hurt, so they went four and eight. They probably weren't as bad as a four and eight team, but they weren't, they weren't in any realm a nine and three team, um, even if Rosen stayed healthy all year. Um, I think that was a critical mistake, um, having Nolmazoni leave and then replacing him with Kennedy Palomalu, who just did not have the experience to run that, run an offense at a high level. Like maybe if you want to hire Kennedy Palomalu at the very beginning of your tenure at a school and let him grow into the job, but you can't hand over your humming offense with your sophomore Heisman candidate quarterback to some guy who hasn't called plays ever. It just that's that's crazy. So um, the fact that that happened is the main reason UCLA was not good last year. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with you there. Um, I'm a big you know when you see major programs hire people that have never done the job before. It always makes me scratch my head where it's like, you're kind of projecting and it's, you know, this happens when USC is doing head coaching searches all the time and people are bringing up these obscure candidates and they're like looking for diamonds in the rough. I'm like, you're this power program. You don't need a diamond in the rough. You get the, the shiny Tiffany diamond that's in the window, you know, like go after that. So why I love Kenny Palomalu. I thought he did you know a great job coaching running backs and things like that. But you know, what's he, He's a phenomenal running back. Yeah. Like one of, one of the best I've ever seen, but it's one of those Peter principle things when you're promoted past your level of competence. Yeah. That's just what happened. And it seems like it was a bigger jump. Like I think you could, it's not like you can't ever become an offensive coordinator, but that's a big, you know, it was a big leap. You're doing it at UCLA and you got Josh Rowe. I mean, there was like, yeah, you want to go to like Western Kentucky and you're like, Oh, have this crazy offense. You're like, Oh, this guy's a good offensive coordinator. Let's bring him in. Something yep. like that, you know. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like for that, for USC, the whole season was kind of this crazy anomaly. I, I, we actually had, uh, we had a little meet and greet event at the new USC village, Dave. And, uh, it's funny. I asked, like, we we're going to have people come and, uh, come check it out. And I, after practice, I asked Clay Helton if he would stop by and he said, sure. So he comes by and we, we talked to him a little bit and I get to tell him, like, you know, when you guys were one and three last year, and you were like positive after the game. I was just scratching my head, like, what the heck is this guy talking about? But you were right. He went on and won nine games. I didn't understand USC last year. Like the, the fact that they went on a nine game winning streak after starting one and three, uh, it was, it was sort of crazy, but they, that they, they kind of played up to their talent level in the last nine games and they really didn't the first, the first four. 
Yeah, I think that I think that's right, and I think I mean I, I think you might be sensitive to overhyping him at this point, but I think a bunch of it was Sam Darnold. Um, Clay Helton made the like completely inexplicable decision to start <laughs> Matt Brown, unless you are like a real cynical conspiracy theorist like me who thinks that it was because he didn't want Max Brown to transfer. Um, and so he wanted, he wanted to have a credible backup. Um, but starting Max Brown over, over Sam Darnold to start that season and then seeing the way Sam Darnold played is just insane and baffling. Um, <laughs> like there were, there was like legitimate talk, like three games into the year. Hey, could Clay Helton be fired this year? Oh, yeah. Because like that, it felt, that bad um and then sam darnold came in and, and saved the day so i think a bunch of the credit has to go to darnold but yeah that was kind of just a crazy turnaround the uh i wonder if uh so max brown's actually gonna be the starting quarterback at pittsburgh now um i really like the kid i hope he does really well but i'm curious to see how he does that's that's a team i'm gonna be watching yeah that'll be very interesting because you know it's a real question because that offense tended to hum when Darnold was in, and it really didn't when Brown was yeah. in. Yeah, so. but you know the offensive line was playing crappy then too. It, I, the thing about Max Brown, he never got a shot. Like he never got the start. He never came in and like USC is horrible at like preparing backup quarterbacks. Um, and usually when they're in, they're just in. When he got in for his first start against Alabama, you you already had Darnold coming in, um, taking reps away, and so he never got like a full even one full game to himself. So. You kind of feel bad the way the way it went there, but you know that's that's college football. It's a lot of situations. He just was never in this great situation. Yep. All right, we've got another question. Okay. It's from Rafi. Hey, Dave and Ryan, I'm a longtime listener and huge fan of this show and Ryan's Parastyle podcast. Please keep up the great work. After five years now since its launch, the Pac-12 Network's revenue and exposure issues are undeniable facts. From Larry Scott's recent comments at Media Days, he's trying to make it sound like he's some kind of chess master and everything will be fine in the long run. It's obvious to me he's just buying as much time as he can and praying for a miracle to happen. At this point, I'd be happy to see any Pac-12 school publicly voice even the most obvious of concerns to hopefully spark uh, others to do the same. Has anyone been able to reach out to any ADs regarding their thoughts on the Pac-12 Network's failures, and has any indication been made of when Larry Scott's time will run out? Thanks for letting me release some steam and taking on yet another Pac-12 Network's question. So my understanding of this is that a lot of the ADs are frustrated with the Pac-12 Network, but it's kind of above their pay grade, and a lot of the school presidents and chancellors are very happy with Larry Scott and the Pac-12 Network because it gets exposure for all their minor sports and all that other stuff. Some of the ADs are frustrated, though. I know, you know, UCLA, for example, they signed away their third-tier rights um, to, like, IMG Sports for all the, like, multimedia stuff, and I think that probably pissed off the Pac-12 network and Larry Scott, because I'm sure he was trying to hold on to those rights to sell some sort of package. Um, so they're probably going to do stuff like that, a lot of the ADs over time, just things that are within their power to do um, that uh, can, you know, get more money into their ADs versus... Um, you know, relying on the Pac-12 network for all, you know, revenue from media rights. But yeah, I mean, I really, really recommend reading everything John Wilner writes about yes. the Pac-12 network because that's probably the most insightful stuff you're going to find. He had a great two-part series this week um, about what happened with the Pac-12 network and DirecTV. But I, I, I think it's above the heads of the ADs until the, the school presidents and chancellors really get upset with it. I just don't I, I don't think there's going to be much of a groundswell for change. No, I agree with you there. And I heard, um, yeah, John does a great job and I've been, uh, messaging with him a little bit. So he's now doing, 
um, what does he call it? There's like a Pac-12. He has a newsletter. It's a Pac-12 hotline. Now, Pac-12 right? hotline. Yeah. And uh, but they haven't for whatever reason his podcast hasn't gone on. He used to have like the college hotline, and it's not. I don't know if he's doing new podcasts yet. I, I think he was trying to, and it wasn't going through. But he had a little mini one with basically just was a conversation with him and the Arizona State president, and it sounded like it sounded like Larry Scott, like everything he, the president was spewing about how happy he was that getting all this exposure and it's at least the Pac-12 network is is making some money and it didn't seem to care at all that it was getting crushed by all these other networks and the direct tv stuff um it, they just didn't seem to care they're like looking long term um thinking that they have the right path even though they're going in the wrong direction and then looking at we get you know water polo and all these and all these sports that don't make any money. This is what the point is. We're trying to make you know give them exposure and make them money. So it's a different attitude than what you would have in the Big Ten or the SEC, where they like their other sports, but they're not going to uh, hurt football because of the other sports. Where the Pac-12, it seems to be more about football's a sport, just like tiddlywinks or just like uh water but whatever you know that it seems to be that's what the presidents feel or at least a lot of them yeah i i, I completely get that vibe so we'll, we'll see um but i think it's going to be a frustration for some time to come yeah all right we've got one more email question you ready for this yeah bro guy and peristyle guy uh <laughs> now that preseason rankings are out what is your assessment oh this is from how can she slap um nice great uh, now that preseason rankings are out, what is your assessment on the Pac-12 team's placement in the rankings? Let's go with the lesser of the two evils, the AP poll. They have USC at number four, Washington at number eight, Stanford at number 14, and Wazoo at number 24. Well, I have, I think Washington is probably a little underrated. Stanford maybe a tid underrated. Tid? Titch? Mitch? Smidge. <laughs> Uh, Stanford may be a smidge underrated and Wazoo may be a smidge overrated, but otherwise it looks kind of right. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I feel like, I think Washington and USC could both be like top five, top six kind of teams, wherever you want to put them. I, I don't know if I'd put Washington all the way down at eight. Yeah. Um, Stanford, I think could be borderline kind of top 10 sort of thing. Um, uh, but it's weird to see a pack 12 with a couple of pack, uh, top 10 teams. And the SEC without a couple, you know, with only one, with only Alabama. So that's, maybe that's some progress. I don't know, but yeah. the Pac-12 North certainly well represented, um, in these polls. And I, you know, if you see those early out of conference games, we talk about it every year. It's the, it's the truth. What happens to the conference if just for UCLA, if they lose to Texas A&M or they beat Texas A&M, it's like, it makes a big difference. I think for everybody. And it hurt, you know, it could hurt or help all the rankings. So you got to go out and take care of business. You can't, you know, go on the road and lose to Rutgers. Not that I think that's going to happen, but you know, something, you know, those kind of games, um, you know, be, Oregon being able to beat Nebraska would be huge. You know, uh, uh, the Wyoming game, you know, all those games, like you have to win those games. Um, and if yep. you do well in those early season out of conference games, it just boosts up the whole conference and the Pac 12 just so many times. And then sometimes like a Washington state team. That goes on to win nine games, but they lose to an FCS school. So it's just hard to, you can easily poo-poo Pac-12 stuff when that kind of stuff happens. So really, we got to focus, Dave. We can't let these early season out of conference losses happen. We got to, we got to do something. Focus on that. Let's focus. Focus, fans. Yeah. And then uh, he asked a couple more questions. How many teams will finish in the top 25? I think four. 
Um, if we're going by my listing, I've got um, Washington, USC, Stanford, and then possibly Oregon at 8-4, but everyone else not ranked. I kind of think um, Washington State will be in there, not Oregon, and then either UCLA or Stanford. Um, and then where do we think those teams, those ranked teams will finish? I mean, I'm not, I, I, I'm not even going to attempt to answer that. Yeah. How slap. I'm not going to do it because that, I don't know, third, seventh, uh, 14th, <laughs> and, uh, 25th. Um, of the unranked teams, is there a team you could see winning the Pac-12? Now that's an interesting question. Yes, I do like that. Um, I, could see some craziness happening and like uh like an Oregon winning the Pac twelve. I could you could talk me into God, could you talk me into UCLA winning the Pac twelve? Yes you could. Come on, Dave. Alright, you could talk me into it, but I, I'm I'm not like I'm not like open ears. I'll probably scoff. <laughs> but like you can talk <laughs> me into it if you if you're if you're like really good. <laughs> You talked me into that. Um, but of course those you are probably too. I don't think Utah's going to have the offense. Um, and I think the bottom five are just too fatally flawed. It's the, the North teams, I think, you know, even though Washington and Stanford are really good, I do think Washington State could, but, you know, they're going to be a ranked team. Um, Oregon's like the only one you could really talk me into out of those, outside of those three. But I think you could, you could talk me into Utah. You could talk me into UCLA. Maybe even. Colorado if for some reason they stay the same or only get a little worse on defense. I just think it's going to be a big step back. Uh, but you know, you could see Montez going bananas that just hold that whole offense clicking and the defense not taking a big step backwards. You know, they could make yeah. a run, you know, I don't yeah. know. That's, I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen. Um, I would, yeah, it's not like I'd be shocked. I mean, were you shocked that Colorado won ten? You kind of saw it like that team's pretty good. You know, it's like why I didn't expect them to I win ten. I would have been shocked, shocked preseason. Yeah, they'd gone ten and two, but after three games of the year, I was like, no, nah, they look pretty good. It's a pretty good so, team, yeah. Um, and then his final question is: Does a Pac-12 team make the playoff this year? I say yes. Yeah, I say I say yes. Just like Dave said before, if it's a Washington or a USC, the fact that they don't play each other, it's just less likely you're going to get like a three loss team winning the Pac 12. So, um, but now the Big 12 has a, they have a championship game now and they just, they play between the top two teams. Um, uh, so that could be good. That could be bad. You could knock a team out that would, you know, that would normally was going to make the playoff. There's, there's different things that can happen, but the Big 12 has stepped up their game. Um, so you got to win some of the out of conference games. I don't know how many. How many Big 12 teams are on the schedule? I know USA plays Texas. Uh, I don't know. I don't think anyone plays like Oklahoma. Does someone play Oklahoma State? I don't know, but we'll see. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. So there might not be a lot of crossover. Texas Tech, Texas Tech is ASU. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so like a t- team like Texas Tech, they're probably going to beat some good teams in the Big 12 and then you know lose some games. They just don't have any defense. They're still going to have a really good offense. Um, so that's a big one. You know, ASU, you got to win that game. If they're both, you know, who knows where they could, they could both be around the middle of the conference at some point and you lose that game. If you're ASU, it, it could be a big setback. You win it and it, you know, it could be a, a boom. So we'll see. But I do think, I think the, the winner of the Pac 12 will make a playoff. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. That's it. I, I don't have anything else. I'm drained. I am an empty vessel. You are an empty vessel. I think that was pretty good. What do we go? Hour 23. All right pretty good um 
we do apologize for not being as consistent as we would like here on the podcast of champions, but we will try now that the season's here. We'll try to do that. So our plan is next Monday. And then maybe it's going to be every Monday going forward. Maybe we move it around. If you have any thoughts on where we should do it, we probably won't listen, but you could email us anyway. Packed off podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hear what yeah. you have to say. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll hear it. We might not act on it. <laughs> we might not listen to it. We might not understand it, but we will hear it. Sweet. All right. Well, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. We are the podcast of champions. We appreciate you tuning in and listening to our little show. And we will talk to you next time, which should be just in a few days on Monday.